0: I think diversification is a good thing. Uh, Could it be possible to be too diversified? I would like to see it, uh, to be honest. I haven't really come across that going, oh, man, we need to scale this back. Uh, I've yet to say that, and maybe I never will, but I don't. In my opinion now, I don't think it's really possible to be too diversified if it's done properly. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery.
1: Welcome into Perfect Game Retirement. I am Ben George, joined as always by Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach at Black Oak Asset Management. Got a full show planned today. We got some thoughts on the election, uh, at least what we know so far when we recorded this. We'll get some thoughts from Ryan on what we're seeing and what it could mean. Also a headline uh, that we'll get some reaction from Ryan on. And then our main topic, we're diving into diversification. Probably saw the, the, uh, the title of the episode and said, wait, I thought diversification was good. Well, it is, uh, but we're going to talk through what it means, how to apply it to your portfolio, when it's, you know, what mistakes you can make with diversification, and we'll do that all that with Ryan. And plus, we got a mailbag at the back of the episode. So full episode, Ryan. Uh, looking forward to today.
0: How you doing, man? Yeah, we're doing well. It's, uh, you know, even though the the election hasn't settled and seems that coronavirus keeps keeps pouring back into the headlines, we're still we're still going through it. Uh, our kids are are still, knock on wood, still in school as of today, but we'll see if uh, if that will change soon. But obviously, the silver lining is the the headlines of you know a, a potential vaccination, so that's that's yeah. always good too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels like Groundhog Day, man. It's just like the same kind of stuff <laughs> over and over this year, and and hopefully, you know, that vaccine news was good, and hopefully, we can start seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel. But what do you make out of the election so far? I know Georgia's been a very, uh, very popular. I guess state in terms of like news coverage and what's going on. All eyes have been on on your state, indeed. But what do you make out of just what we know so far and what it could mean for your clients and for people that are trying to figure out what it means to their investment and in their financial planning?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I know we discussed on this show before I, I, the political world. I can't stand, but there's obviously a connection to the financial world. So obviously, we do keep tabs on that thing because it does it does affect you know markets and people's fear and uh, whatever that may be, but. Obviously, as of the recording of the show, it's still not fully settled. I don't know when this is going to be completely settled, but uh, I do know a few things. And yeah, you're right. Georgia's uh, seems to be a hotbed. And I, I think I jinxed it when, when I was talking to a few people saying, well, at least we're not going to see any political ads anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's wrong. So now our, our Senate races are at the forefront as well. Yep. So we're going to see uh, Senate, <laughs> Senate ads. For the next uh, six weeks or so. So I'm not looking forward to that, but I get it. It's our, but obviously it's our political process. And so that we should be thankful in the same regard, but man, the ads are are mind numbing, just like COVID headlines, like we just talked about. So, but from a, from a taxation standpoint, obviously Biden was running on a very different platform than what we currently have. And if things play out like they look like they will, it it looks like the Congress is going to be divided uh, from a political spectrum. So that's why we have our system that we do. Checks and balances is a beautiful thing. Uh, Some people may disagree and say, oh, well, then nothing gets done. But you you, you don't want to have either party completely dominate because then you don't really get, okay, what do the people want? And so having a house divided, I think, will maybe lessen the tax impact of Biden's potential proposal or or plan. There could be some modifications to it, but a lot of the clients I work with will be potentially affected by his proposal if it goes through. And I know they kind of run on this platform that, Hey, if you make less than 400,000, your taxes won't change, but that wasn't really clear either because just because you may make less than $400,000. Is that for single filers? Is that for joint filers? And what does that look like from a each tax bracket has its income bands? It was the 10% is from this to this, the 12% is from this to this. Well, do those income bands change within that? So that could affect your tax rate. So anyway, that, that part's been unclear Uh, but I do have a lot of clients that are over that threshold and it could affect them. Uh, Capital gains rates could affect them. Um, if they pass away and their and their money is passed on to their beneficiaries that are non-spouses, then they're talking about getting rid of the step-up-in-basis uh, law that we have now from a taxation standpoint. So a lot of things that worried people going in, but I, yeah. I just don't think it's going to come to fruition like we, like we think it is. I, I'm not going to speculate where this is going to go from who wins, who doesn't. Honestly, I'm ready for it to be over with because of Congress probably going to be divided, which... Again, is going to keep whoever, if it's Biden or Trump, it, it keeps them kind of in check, if you will, because of how our system's set up. Right.
1: Well, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I know as things get cleared up over the next few weeks, month, maybe, I don't know how long everything's going to take, but once we get things sorted out, I'm sure it'll be more we, something we talk about more in 2021 as some of these policies are, are put into place and, and introduced. So we'll keep you updated here on Perfect Game Retirement. But another headline I want to get your thoughts on, and you know, we talk about economy and a, a lot of the eyes this year throughout 2020 have been on unemployment, the the huge numbers in March, and it seems like we've been climbing back more and more and more. Well, unemployment claims have dropped to their lowest level since March, since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Does this reflect what you've seen with some of your clients and people around you that may have been out of work a lot this year?
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there are a few that have worked in certain sectors of the economy, and those may not be coming back anytime soon, depending on if cases continue to spike. And so there's certain sectors of the economy and certain clients that we do have certain jobs that they're not coming back as quick. They're maybe having to change their course and look in a different sector that may be absolutely booming. So it's amazing how things like this, obviously this is kind of an anomaly, but there's always corrections in the market And, you know, certain jobs, I'm not saying these jobs that my clients have are going away, but they just could be modified to some degree. And that's happened throughout history. And this just happens to this this virus just happened to throw it into fast forward or a complete 180, if you will. So most of them have if if they did get released from their job, they have found other employment. It just may have had to had to have changed. So but you're right, the, the unemployment rates have gone down. And I think there's a variety of factors involved. I mean, more people are getting out and doing things, but also too, there's a lot of seasonal help as well. So when you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics website, we're we're sitting at six point nine percent unemployment. In the grand scheme of things, that's still that's still pretty good. Uh, obviously before COVID hit, we were below 4%, some of the lowest totals ever uh, as far as unemployment goes. So it's going to be hard to get back to that point. Again, I don't have a crystal ball, but if I take an educated guess, I would think probably unemployment may go up again because you get rid of some of that seasonal employment. And who knows, if if cases keep increasing, then you know there could be shutdowns in certain states again, which could affect things. And I mean, if you look at a map of the united states and you go state by state as far as unemployment rates go i mean you look at some states like california new york illinois i mean those states have really high unemployment rates and and which is it kind of shows those are the ones that are usually the most strict with these things and the unemployment rates are the highest but yet you know they're wanting to increase uh, minimum wage at the same time, so that's a math problem that just doesn't it doesn't work, and and it's not me to speculate what policies are right or wrong as far as shutdowns go, but it's affecting people uh, in in other ways other than just unemployment, uh, and from a mental standpoint as well. But I do think unemployment may tick back up, but again, this vaccination could change things drastically and quick. I I don't know. I'm that's definitely over my pay grade when it comes to that, but. I I do see certain sectors going out, and but I do see certain sectors they can't hire quick enough.
1: Well, uh, then we're all kind of keeping our fingers crossed that the vaccination news is good, and that uh, you know things only continue to move quick quickly like they have so far, and that we actually can put something in place sooner than later, so that we can again, continue to get back to normal and, and, and people can get back to work and all this stuff. So, but I, you know, I want to get your thoughts and I appreciate you kind of sharing, you know, what you've seen so far over the last couple of weeks here as we're mid-November and, you know, making our way towards the end of the year. So uh, still a lot to come and we'll continue to talk about that. And again, you can find uh, more online at blackoakam.com. That is Ryan's website where you'll find Black Oak Asset Management. There's a retirement uh, rescue toolkit there as well. If you want some help with that ticking tax time bomb that uh, we talk about a lot here on the show, you can request it right there on the front of the website. Today, we're talking diversification. So let's transition into that. And Ryan, there's a quote about diversification because like this is a very, you know, it's a very popular buzzword when it comes to financial planning. But Warren Buffett, who everybody holds in really high regard or renowned uh, investor, he said this one time about diversification. Diversification is protection against ignorance. It makes little sense if you know what you're doing, which it sounds pretty crazy because, look, we're always told diversify, diversify, diversify. So we're going to talk about why that's probably right, but also the other side of things, why diversification is so important. So let's start, Ryan, with with the average person. What What do they think diversification is? What does it mean to them? How do they define it?
0: Yeah, I mean, just that word itself, um, kind of people's brain shut off sometimes because it's just like a financial buzzword. And it's like, okay, diversification, yeah, spread things out. I get it. Yeah, I, I have that. And so some people can look at it as a very simplified way, but it can be very complex at the same time. So a lot of times what we see is when people say, oh, they're diversified, it just means they have a lot of different funds, whether that means several different stocks, several different mutual funds, several different ETFs, bond funds, whatever it may be, they I see their statements, and you know, it's three pages long of investments. And a lot of times, you know, if, especially if they're mutual funds or ETFs, yeah, people see kind of what asset class they're in, but they don't know what's inside of them, and that's not. That's kind of everybody. I mean, cause there's just hundreds and sometimes thousands of companies inside of these funds. So how do you know what you really have? Or sometimes I've seen eight to 10 pages of individual stocks. So it's like, okay, wh- why are we doing it this way? Not to say that it's wrong, just why is it set up this way? So a lot of times this just means they have a lot of stuff. Well, when you really start to unpack it, you may have, you know, 20 different mutual funds and 10 of them are exactly the same. And, and there may be a ton of overlap, And that's where you may be taking on a whole lot more risk than you understand. But obviously with the software tools that we have, or a lot of advisors have out there, they can unpack that and tell you, okay, this is what you have. This is what you don't have. You know, these several funds are exact mirror images of one another. So let's scale that back and let's, we don't, we don't need 10 different funds to accomplish our goal. If we can have one fund in that particular asset class, then let's just simplify it and do that. So it can be complex, but also let's simplify it at the same time because sometimes it's just a lot of the same thing that's in our portfolio.
1: Well, let's help make it a little bit clearer for us than the, uh, the average person. What is, what is a, a, an advisor like yourself? How would you define diversification? What does
0: it mean to you when you hear that word? So yeah, diversification to me does not just mean our investments themselves. I mean, I think when we put a plan together for individuals it's the structure is the most important part and the structure i mean yes does that include the investments yes so obviously with investments there's so many different asset classes or you know categories if you will of uh the economy so obviously there's the u.s economy and inside the u.s there's large value large growth mid mid value mid growth small value small growth emerging markets from international real estate, bond, I mean, I could go on and on and on. And so it's like, oh my gosh, what? how much of this do I actually really need? So yes, it does mean diversification within the investments and having different asset classes because a lot of times they move in different formations as far as when the market's up or down. Now there's some that move in unison with one another, but especially in retirement, and that's how in retirement, that's how you want to pull your income. If, if certain ones are doing well, well, okay, that's where our income needs to come from. Let's let these others sit and kind of recover, if you will. And then as they recover, then we pull our income off of that. So it's constantly ebb and flow. And that's why you want to spread things out. But if you have, you know, just a handful of individual stocks and they're all tanking at the same time, well, that's going to hurt. Uh, So it's (laughs) going to be very difficult. And that's where you have the chance of running out of money. So not only is it just the investments, but your account structure. I mean, there's so many different accounts that can be open, whether it's IRAs, Roth IRAs, brokerage accounts, I mean, and they're all taxed differently. So I think a diversification from an account structure, how are they taxed differently? And then the investments, because investments are taxed differently depending on what type of account they are in. So if we look at, okay, we want certain investments, but hey, if it's held in an IRA, that's obviously taxed at ordinary income. But if we take that holding and put it in a brokerage account, it may be taxed at capital gains. So we want our investments that are taxed at ordinary income, we want it in those pre-tax IRA 401k accounts and the ones that are taxed at capital gains, well, we want those in our brokerage accounts. So anyway, that's kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but just overall picture of the structure, not just the investments, the structure, the investments, and the the tax implications are, are what comes to mind when I think of diversification.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you kind of spelled that out a little bit for us. Cause I mean, I, I know at least speaking personally, I'm sure there's a lot of people like me. I just think diversification, the, the main thing I think of is investments, right? Make sure I've mm-hmm. invested in div- different things, but you don't usually think account structure and really, you know, unless you're really smart and, and on top of things, you're really not thinking tax planning very often either. I would imagine.
0: That's right. I, we it, It's very uncommon. Uh, and so that's, that's where we, it's, it's hard to put a, rate of return on that. you know, So many people mm-hmm. get caught up in rates of return, but hey, if I can save you 15% on your taxes just by how you're structured, I think we, we pay for ourselves just in, in changing that structure around right there. It has nothing to do with what your rate of return was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, in your experience, whether with average investors or some of the people that you work with and, and people that come into your office every day, how much emphasis do people put on diversification? Is that, is that something they're really keyed in on? No, uh, to
0: be perfectly honest, really? I'm, I'm throwing I'm throwing a lot of people under the bus here, but I'm I'm kind of generalizing about just what I've seen. But let people they focus on the diversification component less and less, and it's not necessarily their fault uh, or they're just trying to ignore that component. One, I think it goes back to our education system, and that's a podcast in itself. But just kind of educating people along the way. It, but what happens is they get their first job, their real job, and they start contributing to a 401k. Well, what do a lot of people do? Well, they don't know what to pick. Unless an advisor who is doing that 401k or whatever the retirement plan is through that employer, unless they have someone sitting there with them kind of walking them through what the different investments are, so many people pick a target date fund. and. I'm not saying target date funds are wrong or bad. Um, that's most inflows of retirement plans are through target date funds. You get a 25-year-old contributing to a 401k, they're like, uh, I'm gonna retire in 2050, so this target date 2050 fund looks good. You know, that, and, and they forget about it. They literally set it up and they never look at their 401k. Again, again, I'm I'm generalizing here, but there's a lot of truth to this. And so that target date fund, because they have been created it does kind of prey on the ignorance of of people and mutual because this stuff is like it can be a foreign language to people there's a lot to digest when you get a investment fund sheet put in front of you when you select your 401k and there's 40 funds to choose from it's like i don't know what to pick i have no idea what to pick this is uh, this is not my cup of tea if you will now some people love it but most people just just do not so anyways I, i bring all that up because target date funds or not a set it and forget it. I have an issue with target date funds. Uh, to be perfectly candid, I'm not saying they're not a good fit for people or a piece of their portfolio. But putting all of your eggs in that basket is not right because you know they all the fund companies have target date funds. But what the difference is, every company. Let's say if if you line up twenty fifty target date funds with all the big boys in the in the industry, whether it's Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, T Rowe Price, they all have them but the risk level of a 2050 fund based off of what Vanguard says or Schwab says or Fidelity says is can be completely different. And so it's all, it's all their kind of personal opinion or bias of what they think is a right fit for somebody in 2050. So, I just don't think they're not the end all be all. And so, um, you know, at least you're putting your money in something if you don't know what to put it in when you first start your 401k, but it needs to be looked at again and it's not a set it and forget it. So that's where people have really taken their diversification. You know, they haven't put an emphasis on it because they feel like the mutual fund companies are doing it for them. Right. Well, let's, Go back to that
1: Warren Buffett quote, uh, real quick, talking about diversification as a protection from ignorance. is Is it possible to be too diversified? We, you know, it, it sounds like
0: you know a lot of people are diversified enough, but can you go overboard? I guess maybe you could. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I <Okay>. mean. <laughs> You know, I mean, that could mean a lot of different things. It could mean, oh, I got, you know, 15 different accounts in 15 different places. And that doesn't mean you're diversified, but some people think you are. But from a diversification standpoint, I mean, going back to that previous point of having different types of accounts that are taxed differently, but also, I mean, I I like real estate. I don't sell real estate, but I like real estate. And so that's another hedge uh, against the market or inflation. So if people like that, world and and want to get into it i'm i'm completely for that because it's good to have some some passive income as well if people can afford that now I wouldn't leverage myself and and, and have tons of debt on rental property but um i just do think i think diversification is a good thing uh, could it be possible to be too diversified i would like to see it uh, to be honest I haven't really come across that going oh man we need to scale this back uh, I, I, I've yet to say that and maybe I never will but i don't in my opinion, now I don't think it's really possible to be too diversified if it's done properly. Again, it doesn't mean having thirty different mutual funds, but if it's done properly, I I would love to see it if it's too diversified.
1: Yeah, I would say that's the key. If it's done properly, then you'll be okay. It's just I guess people that maybe take on every target date fund mm-hmm. potentially to think, hey, it's going to get me covered completely. But I guess that's where you can maybe become too diversified. But that's interesting that you never you haven't really come across that. Quite yet. Well, let's look. Let's wrap it up with a little scenario, maybe, and kind of give people an idea of of how the process works for you at Black Oak, and and how you work with someone that maybe comes in without a very diversified portfolio, and how you take that and work with them to turn it into something that's very balanced.
0: Yeah, and so we come across this a, a quite a, a good bit. There's a few companies that we work with that give great stock options, and so trying to educate those individuals that have worked maybe their entire lives for a particular company. And maybe they have a pension and social security, but they have a lot of individual stock from that particular company. And obviously it's bode well for them for a long time. So they have a a marriage, if you will, to those single stocks sometimes. So trying to take them out of that is, is difficult. And, and even if it's just kind of carving off some of that a little bit of time, doing a, a big fell swoop of, of selling individual stocks and diversifying sometimes is a difficult task. but when you start educating them and kind of showing them, hey, you know, this is what's happened in years past. So when you put actual numbers, hey, in, in 08, 09, this is what happened to it. Are you okay? In, in 08 and 09, you may have been okay when you were, you know, when it was 12 years ago and you weren't retired. But, hey, if this happens again and you take a 35% haircut, are, are we okay with that? And so... Just kind of showing them history. I mean, that may not work uh, because sometimes people, I mean, I shouldn't say sometimes, most people make decisions on not on logic. It's more emotion. And so if you can take that emotion away and really educate them saying, hey, this company has been great to you. It's done this, this, and this. But... Hey, you got your pension uh, relying on them and now you got your individual portfolio with stocks in there. So trying to pry that away sometimes is difficult, but we've done that because we've just shown them examples in the past, but also other companies examples like, Hey, if, if this thing, and that's the thing, single stocks can go to zero. I mean, they can go away. I mean, there's plenty of big, big company examples that, Hey, these were behemoths in the industry and now they're going to go away. I mean, we've seen a few, a lot this year. I mean, take, you know, Pier One, Penney. I mean, those are just a, a couple to name to give examples, but they they can go to zero. And, and I know it's easy to say, oh, this this stock won't. They've been around forever, but it it does happen. So sometimes if people that we meet with, if they have too big of a share of their portfolio pie, if you will, in single stocks, and they're not willing to Uh, At least get rid of some of that. A lot of times we just don't work with them because, as fiduciaries, if that's you know we can be held kind of liable for that if people uh, kind of go against our, our advice and then it comes back and they can come back on us. And so we just don't work with people if they're not willing to do what's in their what's in their best interest.
1: Well, if you if you want to do what's in your best interest, I would recommend sitting down with a professional, someone that can look through your portfolio, see if your diversification is proper, if you're if you have everything in order. If not, work to build a strategy that will accomplish that. And again, as we talked about on the show, it's not just about investments, it's about accounts that you have set up, about tax planning, all these things go into the diversification of your portfolio. So reach out to Ryan and his team at Black Oak Asset Management. Ryan is a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, can sit down with you. And walk you through this and make sure everything is in order for you. Uh, that is so key. Diversification, it's, it is so important doing it the correct way. So that's why we wanted to take some time on this episode to kind of take you through that and explain exactly what it means. All right, one mailbag question before we got to get out of here on this episode of Perfect Game Retirement. Diane in Johns Creek writes, because of some past medical issues, I've been told that I won't be able to get long-term care insurance. Do I
0: just need to figure out how to self-insure? It's a great question, Diane, and it's a very relevant question, especially today, because the long long-term care industry obviously has changed, which means the long-term care insurance world has changed quite a bit as well. So, I used to work at a, a pretty big insurance shop, and you know, this was one of our this was one of our main products. But the underwriting on this is extremely difficult. It is much harder to get a long-term care policy than it is a life insurance policy. Uh, before you know, 10 years ago, it was a front and back application, fill it out, and you pretty much got it. Um, there was a few medical questions, but not a whole lot. So Diane, I mean, it, and they look at different things than life insurance does. But I mean, worst case scenario, and, and, and you do want to get a long term care policy, it, it wouldn't hurt to apply for one. I mean, the worst thing they can say is no, you're declined. And so okay, Let's go down some other avenues And the insurance world has changed quite a bit because long-term care is very difficult to get. Obviously, it depends on your medical past, which you've talked about your age. Uh, So premiums can change, uh, can increase quite a bit. So if it's not affordable, there's other avenues that can help. Self-insure is one uh, that you need to have a pretty big nest egg for that. I mean, it can take a big chunk of that nest egg, but you certainly can self-insure. You can also, uh, there's certain life insurance policies, which I know you said you had medical issues, but it could be different. Uh, so life insurance does have some riders in there that you can spend some of your death benefit while you're still alive for long-term care needs. And, and every insurance carrier is a little bit different on the percentages of how much they will give you when you can't do you know, two of the six of daily activities uh, that basically qualify you for long-term care. Also, annuities do the same thing as well. They allow uh, for income. If you need care, your income can potentially increase. Some of them, they can the income can double for a certain amount of time. So the insurance industry has gotten creative because of the long-term care insurance world is so expensive. But shoot, Diane, I would I would try. I would apply. And again, worst thing that can happen is they decline you and then move on to other options after that.
1: Thanks for that question, Diane. If you have a question for Ryan, you can send it in to us uh, here on the podcast. Contact us via the website, blackoakam.com. If you want to talk to Ryan directly, uh, I would recommend it as well. 470-508-0508 is the number. And uh, he'll sit down with you. You can schedule your retirement coach 360 session online now, if you want to do that as well. And a lot of resources on the website. So Ryan, I uh, appreciate uh, you know covered a lot today from the election to unemployment to diversification. I think there's a lot going on right now, but uh, hopefully we we gave some people some valuable information at least, especially when it comes to diversification to
0: make sure they're doing it properly. That's right. And uh, give a plug to my to my son. Uh, good luck on the Midway Wolverines kindergarten and first grade championship this weekend
1: <laughs> nice yeah go get a win for us we'd love to hear about it
0: good luck but we thank you for
1: listening here to perfect game retirement hit subscribe please for us we'll have a new episode in a couple of weeks and we'll look forward to talking to you then
0: Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement.